Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Week two of how to live a powerful life. If you were not here last week, um, it's on the on the internet. You can go and get it. And today is a follow up on that one. So today is part two of our new sermon series, just how to live a powerful life. Because if the same Spirit which raised Christ from the dead truly lives in you and I, our life should be powerful. So. Where is the power? So we're just looking at a couple of things that we need to understand and know for our lives to be powerful so that we can have the Lord do through us what he wants to do. So just like last week, there were two sections. Today, there are going to be two sections again. The first part is you have to know your place in the body. You have to know why you are here. Why were you created? Because if you don't know that, then you're going to be moving around not knowing why you're here. And then the second one which follows on that revelation is how are you using your position, your gift, your talent to serve others? Because so many people have amazing gifts, amazing talents, yet serve themselves, want others to serve them. That doesn't go very far. So number one, why are you here? Why did God create you? What is your place in the body of Christ? Why did he make you? Why are you living right here, right now? And then how are you using what he has given you to bless others, to serve others, to lay your life down for others? And then at the end of the service, we are going to do communion as well. So we have a busy morning ahead of us. I'm so grateful. Autumn said that there's bread in the bag, so I can go for a long time. If the guy next to you is hungry, just share, okay? Right. God is the most purposeful human being, being created thing, for lack of better words. He's just in everything that he does, there's purpose. There's nothing that he does that was just, I did that because, why did you do that, God? I don't know, or I had extra time on my hands, or I was bored, or whatever reason we can come up with, that doesn't exist in God. So every single thing that he does, there's meaning, there's purpose behind it. The most purposeful being that is, is God. Nothing is just random. Nothing just happens. You are definitely not here made in his image, in his likeness, just by accident. When he made you, there was a plan, there was a purpose, there was destiny behind it. It didn't just happen and now you are here and, okay, well, try and find your way through life and make the best of what you can. So God had a purpose in creating you. You see, in the beginning of the Bible, it talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and everything in our existence has been put in place in Genesis 1.1. Time, space, and matter has been taken care of by God. People have a big question mark around that many times. People have a lot of misunderstandings about that. But in the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. So time, space, and matter has been taken care of by God in the beginning of Genesis. And people are looking and making theories, and people get paid good money to make theories about black holes that they think are there, but they're not really sure when the Bible explains everything. 
So God took care of everything in Genesis 1. In Ephesians 2, he says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works even before the foundation of the earth. So even before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, even before the Garden of Eden was, God already had a plan. And you were in that plan. And there was a good work set aside just for you to do when you reached this place called planet Earth. You didn't just happen here and now God has to think of something for you to do. You are here because he thought of something and then he made you to do that something that he thought of before Adam and Eve existed. Okay, so we have to know why we are here. Our place in the body. What was I created to do? And when we know that, then we can live a powerful life. So if we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9. says there, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. God doesn't start something before he's finished it. Say that again, get this. God doesn't start something before he has finished it. So according to this verse, that which has been, that which is past, that is, which has already been made, taken place and done, is what will be. So Jesus was slain when? When he went to the cross? No, for the foundation. So that which has been, that will be again. So God finished the crucifixion before he started the crucifixion. Does that make sense? Are you getting us? He finishes something before he starts. See some people shaking their heads. Adam and Eve were in God. The Garden of Eden was in God. He finished all creation. Everything came out of him before it even was. The plan of salvation, the plan of redemption was set in place before it came in the natural. Okay? So he finishes something. Before he started. Everything had taken place. Because he's outside of time. So he finishes time. Before time begins. And in the beginning. He started the start. He began the beginning. But everything was already done. You see you and I were sitting in these chairs. Already before today. In the spirit realm. Before Adam and Eve were in the garden, you and I had already been here today. God knew this day was coming. God knew what message to speak. God knew who was going to be here. He's never caught by surprise. Okay? So that which has been is what will be. You see, God made you before your parents did. God created, God made you before mom and dad got together. God named you before your mom and dad thought of, is this a girl, a boy, what name are we going to pick? You were already named before they could ever get to you. You were in Christ even before the Garden of Eden existed. You were before nothing was. Before there was a this or a that, you were. You existed in him. He has always been. And you were always in him. You came out of him. 
See, when he created, he took certain things and then he made something of it. But with you and I, he didn't take a creative thing and then create you and I. When he took the earth and took the dust from the earth, he made it flesh. Did I say made it? He made flesh. But then when he created you and I, he didn't go somewhere else to find something to make you and I. He went to the inside of himself and breathed his life into the flesh and we became. We come from the inside of God. We were in him forever before Adam and Eve was. So he creates the earth And he takes the earth and he creates flesh. But then he doesn't take anything else to make man. He goes to himself and out of him come you and I. You getting us? That's where we come from. People are sitting here, I'm wondering. Okay. Right. That's why he can say to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's stupid. That's how does that make sense to the natural mind? Before I formed you. So when you form something, when you make it, you see it, you understand what it is. He says, even before you were in the womb, here on natural mother earth, as people say, when you were here and created, I knew you. That knew is I had an intimate relationship with you even before you were in your mommy's belly. And then he says, even before that, he says, I have sanctified you to be a prophet. So even before you knew you were going to be a prophet, I had already said you're going to be a prophet. This is what you were created to do. So before you were created, God already said, hey, Joe Blow, before I created you in your mother's womb, I knew you, Joe Blow. You and I spent eons of time together before the earth even was. And then when the time was ready, I said, okay, now Joe Blow, come forth in the natural. But long before that, I have already set you apart and sanctified you to be a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a musician, a housewife, a preacher, whatever. And that's the problem that we many, many times don't know what we were set apart and sanctified to do. So we're reaching and grabbing at things down here, trying to find the reason that we are here, where there was a reason even before Adam and Eve Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And once you know that, once I can say, I've heard him say, Rifle, before you were formed, before you were in your mother's womb, I sanctified you to be a teacher of the word. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, that comes pretty easy to me. I don't have to battle. Why? I was created to do that. But Rifle, you go and work in a business and try and make money. Oh, my goodness. It will fail. Because there's just no money. There's just no business. There's just no, you were not created for that. So don't go and try and do that because that's not why you were here. That's not what I set and sanctified you apart to do. And each and every one must know that we know that we know. He has sanctified me to do this. And if we don't know what that thing is, the body of Christ does not work the way it should. 
And if we know what it is, man, we can be powerful. People could look at our lives and say, oh, man, just, just, just look at that person. Look at Daniel. No matter his surroundings, no matter the circumstance that he found himself in, people were talking about Daniel. Look at Joseph. Wow. People were speaking behind their backs about them that they didn't want to say to their faces and saying, man, these guys have got it going. These, these are amazing people because they knew what they were created to do. They were doing what God had made them to do. So they were powerful. So get this revelation here. In Genesis, God creates everything. In the beginning, he creates the light. But the Bible is very interesting, and it says, he said, let there be light, and then he saw the light. Please follow me here. If you create something, you obviously see what you're creating. With your physical eyes, you know what you are doing. But Genesis says, God created, he made, he spoke, and light was, and then God saw the light. After he created, after he made, after he understood what light was. He sees it after he creates it. But when you create something, you're busy seeing it. Does that make sense? The guy at the Ford plantation who's making a Ford car or a Mercedes-Benz or whatever, they see what they are creating. But God saw after he created what he did. That word see in the Hebrew is the word to look into something with close attention and see the, the potential, the value, and the purpose of the thing which was created. That's that word in Hebrew. So God creates the light. He sees the light. He creates the light. And he looks into the purpose of light. Why did I create light? What is the purpose of the thing I created? And he looks into that light. And he sees it. And he says, light you have a purpose. I didn't just make you because I'm bored. I didn't make you because you're just a good idea. There's a purpose for you being light. Okay, now with you light that I now look into and I see your purpose, I'm going to separate night and day with you. So you and I come forth. God already created us. He already set us apart. We're already in him. And now he looks at us when the doctor catches you and you're six pounds and seven ounces and you come out and everyone is so amazed by this new being and it's wonderful. And God says, okay, now that you are here, he sees and he looks into the purpose which you were created for. And he says, now you are here just like light. I'm going to use you to separate the night from the day with light. So now, child, that you are here, I'm going to use you to have a new invention, to build something new, to raise up seven, eight, nine kids in a classroom or a home to go and change the world. That's your purpose. That's why you are here. So I see into you the reason for me creating you, and now you can go and do that. Are we getting this? It's very quiet here today. Song of Solomon, 
chapter 4, verse 6. For time's sake, we're just going to look at one thing. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. We're just going to look at this thing today. I will go my way to the mountain. There's a mountain for each and every one of us. God has prepared a place above circumstances, above that which is happening on top of the mountain for each and every one of us. And you see, when I read that verse, I will go, so this is rifle reading rifles Bible, okay? Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, rifle will go rifle's way to the mountain. Autumn takes his Bible, reads the same. Autumn will go autumn's way to the mountain. And Nitin takes his Bible and Nitin reads, Nitin will go Nitin's way to the mountain. The problem and mistake here is when I, number one, don't know my way to the mountain. How do I go if I don't know my way? Another problem, I know my way. But Joe Blow doesn't know his way. So he looks at my way and says, wow, that's working really good for rifle. I'm going to do that. Because, man, he just climbs these mountains. Wow, there's the biggest uh, stumbling block in front of him. And the next thing you know, wow, he's on top of the mountain looking down. I'm going to do that. But you see, rifle was created to be an ear in the body of Christ. Joe Blow was created to be an eye in the body of Christ. And an ear can't do an eye's job. And so many of us do not know our way to the mountain. So we listen to other people's ways to the mountain. And many times their way is not even working. But grandma did it this way. Mama did it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Didn't work for them. It's not going to work for you. You have to know your way to the mountain. And that way will work for you, not necessarily for the person next to you. So we, in order to be powerful, have to know our way. Why is that my mountain and not yours? Why do I go up this side of the mountain, God, and not that side of the mountain? That looks much easier. There, there are less rocks there. It's, it's nice to climb. There's green grass. The slope isn't that high. Why do I have to go up here where it's slippery and rocky? God says go because my grace will get you up here because once you've climbed this difficult mountain, people will know it wasn't you that got to the top. It was my grace that led you there. Some mountains from one side are very easy to climb, but you look on the back side of the mountain, it's like, oh, my goodness. Only a mountain goat can get up there. God says, yes, my mountain goat, there you go. <laughs> you can do it. So we have to know our way to the mountain. You see, we created for different things. And for a while, something can be used what it was not created for. See those things there on the end of the stage? That's a speaker. It's not created to sit on. It's not the ultimate use of that object to be sat upon, but it can be used to sit upon for a while. So if I'm preaching, I'm really tired, so now you know, I'm going, and I sit here. Not a problem. It's comfy, feels good, but the ultimate 
use of a speaker is not to be sat upon. And so many people are using their gifts and their talents, which were not used to ultimately do that thing, and they're doing that. You see, there was something created specifically to sit upon. It's called a chair. And it's got a backrest, and it's soft, and when you're sitting it, your back's not going to hurt. You sit on that thing for too long, you're going to have issues. If you sit on that speaker day after day, year after year, eventually it's going to wear out. And that's made of wood on top. And, and wood, there's a lot of splinters in there. And when you sit on a splinter, it's not fun. But you're using the wrong thing to sit upon. And God has made you and I to do something very, very specific. But we're using many, many times that which he has created us to do for something else. Which is, yes, it's good for now. I can sit and rest here. It's okay. But that's not the ultimate functionality of your life. So many people, let's be honest, went to university or going to college and school now. You're doing it because, man, I've got to get a job. I need money. Mom and dad said, I've got to do this. I have to study. And all the while you're doing something, sitting on a speaker instead of sitting on a chair. You were not created to do that subject. You were not created to study that. You were created to do something completely different. But we use that for a time. And at the end, it's not going to work. Your behind is going to get sore and that speaker is going to go broken. And you've lost both. And that's what's happening in the body as well. People are doing things that they were not created to do. And the body of Christ suffers. And how many times do people talk about God? Well, if God was that good, why would he give that to you to do? And he didn't tell you to do that. So many times people marry the wrong person. God told me to do this. No. So many times people get divorced. We've heard in church people getting divorced and the minister saying, well, God told me to marry the, the worship leader. No, that wasn't God. But people say this the whole time and then who gets a bad name? God. And that's not what we are created for. That's not a powerful life when we live that way. So this is the whole thing is that we want to live powerful lives so that people can see. Proverbs 19 verse 3. The foolishness of a man. Can you remember last week when I said if someone is acting foolish and in that moment you call them a fool, most of the time they're not very happy with you. But the foolishness of a man twists his way. There's a way for each and every one that God created. A certain way, your way to the mountain. But when we twist our way for whatever reason and his heart frets against the Lord so that word there is be anxious to blame to not trust to not understand so God says Ephesians 2 verse 10 man I've created this path it's a perfect path there is a good work for you it's preordained. All you need to do is walk in this path. In that path is your healing, your finances, your family, your peace, relationship. Everything that you need is in your Ephesians 2 verse 10 path. 
And then we, out of foolishness, twist our way that God has made. And God says, this is what I've created you to do. I don't want to do that. This looks much better. I'm going to do this. And there's very, very little grace on this because God didn't call you to do this. God's always trying to bless us, okay? He's not out to get you. He's not angry. He's not. But if you choose a different path, then what he has created you to do, it's going to be difficult. And now people's hearts fret against the Lord. Why is my life so hard? Why do I keep on losing my job? Why am I keep? Because you're not in the good work which he created you to do. And now we fret against the Lord. And we wonder why. And we don't have faith like we should because things are not working. I really thought I'm supposed to do this. He didn't tell you to do it. And that doesn't work. There's no grace there. And now people get bent out of shape and God gets the blame. If you take a a GPS, two very important things about the GPS. And we think many, many times the most important is your final destination, where you're going to. That's not the most important on a GPS. The most important is where are you coming from. And in life it's the same. If we don't understand where we came from, then the GPS is not going to make much sense. Because you can push in the GPS your final destination, but it's going to ask you your original address. Where are you starting this route from? So many of us push in our physical address, And that's not what Holy Spirit is saying. Because Holy Spirit says, on your GPS rifle, before you had a physical address, you had a heavenly address. You come from heaven. So if you are looking for all your resources and all your help and all your understanding here in the earthly realm, it's not going to work. But if you know where you come from, Because the word does say that where are we seated? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay? So if I know that my provision comes from there, it doesn't come from here. So when there's a financial collapse and the banks fall down and and people go mad, that's a different kingdom. The economy here doesn't affect the economy from heaven. And all my stuff comes from heaven. I was there before this earth began. And when I push into the GPS, where do I come from? I come from the throne room of God. That's where I start. So if we don't know that we are loved, if we don't know that he has made the way out of this road that you are walking on, if we don't know to put that in the GPS, GPS has that question mark trying to look for the satellite, looking for the satellite, looking for the satellite, because it doesn't know where you came from. So how can it tell you where you're going properly? And so many of us don't know that right now we are seated in heavenly places and all our provision has been taken care of already. And another amazing thing about the GPS is it doesn't matter how many times you do not obey the GPS, 
It just says one thing. Rerouting. Mine's English. I changed mine. So my lady says to me, rerouting. Rerouting. Recalculate. Whatever. If I take 10 wrong turns in a one-kilometer drive, the GPS does not say, you fool, how many times do I have to tell you to turn left? What are those things on the side of your head? Are you deaf? Did you not hear me say seven times, rerouting? You obviously don't want to go to the place that you pushed into the GPS. Otherwise, you would have listened to me. Recalculating. Recalculating. Holy Spirit. Recalculating, rifle. Wow, rifle, you took the wrong turn again. Recalculating your ride, rifle. Wow, rifle, you did it again. Recalculating. Holy Spirit never ever said, you fool, have I not told you? You should know better by now. Why don't you use it? Holy Spirit doesn't do that. And we have a heavenly GPS that speaks all the time, that knows the perfect shortest way, no tolls, no traffic, no potholes, and he wants to get us to the destination that he has created us to go to. We have to know that we come from there before we start living right here. We are in two places at the same time. And if we live just in the natural, we're not going to be able to be powerful. First uh, Corinthians twelve eighteen. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. There's a place where you and I fit and it pleases our Abba. There's a place where you're doing things and Abba is just so delighted when you're doing that. Why? Because your life is going well. When your life goes well, your neighbor's life is going well. See, in the Christian body, if you win, I win. That's why we don't have to be jealous. Because there's your mountain to go and there's my mountain to go. But so many times people get jealous because others in the body are doing well instead of celebrating that. But there's a place for everyone where God looks down and he's so pleased because you found your place. And now you're not banging your head, banging your head, banging your head. Why? Where? How? Man, I'm walking in my Ephesians 2 verse 10 path. And he finds delight in that. Because before your mom and dad got together, he had already made that path for you. And he says, this is where you are going to find the blessing. So he puts us in the body according to his delight. Um, Okay, the second one, how are you serving? How are you helping? Just for time's sake, we'll do one verse here, and then I want to go into communion. Um, Mark chapter 10, 44, 45. And whoever of you desire to be first shall be the slave of all. We don't like that. Natural man, we love it. We the body. We love that, yes. But natural man, the flesh, doesn't like that. But look what Jesus did. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what we were called to do, to walk as he walks, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you are living for yourself, and you want your way to be right, and you want to go to the top, regardless of everyone else, life's not going to work. You're not going to be powerful. There are people that are corporate business owners and they they have so much money, but life is is, is not good. 
They don't like life. They don't like waking up, driving in their nice Mercedes-Benz, going to the corner office on that building. It's just, it's not nice. Because many of them are serving themselves. You take a guy, have you ever thought of the difference between bin Laden and Saddam Hussein? Saddam Hussein, palaces, people bowing down to him, people so scared of him, didn't let anyone get around him. Money, palaces, statues of him all around. How many people loved him and followed him? Look at bin Laden living in caves. Not palaces, not towers, not people bowing down, but fighting with the people, giving himself for them. Man, to this day, he's got a following that will will blow themselves up because of the way that he lived his life. Bad example of someone living the way they shouldn't, but I mean, he gave himself. He was one of them. And when we can give ourselves for our fellow brethren and fight with them in the trenches, instead of you come and serve me and make, build me a castle, you bring me the money, you bring me the fame, man, we're going to have a lot of followers and we're going to have a strong army when we can serve others and not serve ourselves. That's the second way to be powerful. Um, I want to do communion. There's 15 minutes left. So, um, Psalm 97 verse 2, if we can get that up there, please. Switching over to communion now. Jamie, can you guys bring this table, please? So many times we have such amazing things in the faith that we don't really pay attention or like Artem was saying, we do things over and over again and communion is unfortunately one of them where you stand in different churches, but you eat the bread and the wine, whatever, and you go home and, you know, we did that. But man, it's like baptism. It's so powerful. There's so much symbolism. There's so much behind communion. If we can, by faith, understand what it's there for, what it means. And they teaching after teaching after sermon that you can do on communion for the whole year and every week a different one, but it's just, wow, that, it, it can reflect that, it can mean that. There's so much in communion. And today we're going to take partake of communion. So I want to just talk a little bit about this so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, so that when we come today to take the body and the blood, our faith is stirred. So that when we take communion today, it's not just a piece of bread and a bit of a grape. It's going to be, wow, Jesus, this is what you did. This is what this means in my life today. That's what I want to do with this. Do we have that psalm there? No? I'm not checking Facebook. I'm looking for the psalm. I'll be there now. Yes, Psalm 97.2. Clouds and darkness surround him. Doesn't sound very friendly. But then it says, righteousness and justice 
are the foundation of his throne. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So what is foundation? Foundation is the, the, the bottom that everything is built upon. Foundation is everything that is built upon something needs to be built first upon the foundation. If there's no foundation, then nothing else can be built upon that. And the higher and the more heavy and the greater something is, the stronger the foundation needs to be. So this verse says here, there we have it, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. In other words, where where God is sitting now and Jesus at his right hand, they are sitting on righteousness and justice. And every thought that they have, every decision that they make, every move that is orchestrated in heaven coming towards earth is based on a few things. The covenant of the rainbow round, but it's based also on righteousness and justice. What is justice? Justice means that when somebody makes a mistake, they have to pay. And only after payment has been made, justice has been served. See, if you make a mistake and you start running away from the law and they don't catch you, you hurt somebody, something has been done wrong, but no justice has been served. So they're still out to try and get you, to bring you in so that justice can be served. So now where it comes to you and I, you see Jesus went because there was a huge price to pay for justice that needed to be brought to mankind. And until that justice was paid, until the fine was settled, Justice could not be paid. Justice could not be. But now the foundation of his throne is justice. In other words, there was a price to pay because man messed up. Somebody had to pay that. Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll take the penalty. I'll do the fine. Whatever it costs, how much? What do I have to give? Everything, your life. I'll do it. So he goes ahead and he does it. Goes to the cross, they beat him, they pull out his beard. We know it. He does all of that. And after three days, the judge of all says, that's enough. Why? Because justice has just been made available. The price for mankind's sin has been paid. It's enough. So now Father God says to to God the Holy Spirit, you go in there and you get the Lord up because the price has been paid. Justice has now been made available. So that's why Jesus on the last night, the supper, where he breaks the bread and he gives to them, he's saying to them, man, there's got to be a price paid. Mankind has messed up. 
Justice has not been served. There's still a price on your head, mankind. And wherever you go, like you break the law, you speed, the police are going to chase you. They're going to hunt you down. Wherever you go, mankind, the enemy is going to be behind you because he has legal right. But now that Jesus has paid the price, the foundation of his throne, whenever he thinks of you and I, he says justice has been paid. Mankind, you can't be held guilty anymore. The enemy can't come and chase you and hunt you. He's going to do it, but there's no rightful place for him to do it anymore because justice has been served through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we take the bread. Every time we break that, what are we saying? Today, there's justice. I don't have to look over my shoulder the whole time because my sins have been paid for. I don't have to be scared because righteousness now, me being in right standing with God has been availed through the sacrifice of Jesus. So every time I take the blood, every time I take the bread, it's a, thank you for justice. Man, this brought justice to me. And where he is now with all that smoke and all the things going around him, he's looking down and he's smiling and he's saying, justice has been made available. They can't come after you anymore because I took it. Isn't that amazing? Looking through the smoke and saying it's paid. There's justice. Every time the enemy comes, well, rifle did this. No, no, no. It's paid for by the bread and by the wine. Justice has been made available for righteous, for rifle. So you can't go after him like a policeman, hunting, chasing down people. And that's what we're doing when you do this. So what we're going to do is like we normally do, just come in two lines. If you can come to the middle. Take the bread and the wine.
Jesus, you're the king upon the throne. Thank you for the way you've always loved me. Now I get to love you in return. Now I get to love you in return. Stop, oh Jesus, oh, 
that you carry Thank you for remembering my sins no more Search me and know me, Lord We sing, search me and know me, Lord Oh, search me Know me, love me, bring me peace. Search me, know me, love me, bring me peace. Search me, know me, love me, bring me peace. Search me, know me, love me. So if you're driving recklessly and the police catch you and they give you a ticket, a fine that you can't pay, but you have to go to work, you have to drive. Whenever you're driving in the car, what are you doing? Looking behind you for those blue and red lights because you haven't paid. You can't pay that ticket. It's just too much. You don't have the money. Whenever you hear that, oh, are, are they there for me? And you drive and you look behind you the whole time. That's what happened to you and I. We lived a reckless life and we got tickets against us. And the enemy's always in. And, and we used to have to look behind us all the time. Where is he coming? Where is, how's he going to get me? What's he going to do to me now? But because of this, when someone goes and they pay your fine and they come and they say, here's the ticket. You don't owe any money anymore. And now you drive with the radio on and you've got the arm on the steering wheel and the window open because you're not looking behind you. The police can't catch you anymore because justice has been made available for you. So Jesus sitting in heaven, when the enemy's driving behind you and he tries to get you and you just enjoying the ride, knowing that every thought Jesus makes towards you is a thought of you, my child, have been justified, just as if you have never sinned. Your sins can't be held against you anymore because of this. And you can just ride with freedom and peace now. Never ever having to look behind you again. Because you are in right standing with me. Smoke and fire and lightning and a big smile. Because the foundation of where he is sitting now. Every thought, every judgment, everything he makes towards you is one of your righteous and you have been justified by the body and the blood. And that's the freedom that Christ has made available to us. So let's take this body of Christ Jesus and we just come, Lord, as your body today. And man, are we forever grateful. We just say thank you so much, Jesus, for coming. And thank you that when you are interceding for me right now, every thought you have towards me which outnumbers the grains of sand in the universe 
every thought is a good one because I have been justified. Every thought toward me, Lord, is a thought of my child is righteous, in right standing with me. Therefore, you can live this life with peace that surpasses all understanding, never having to look behind you ever again. We thank you, Lord, for your body. like manner we take the blood and this has washed us white as snow no matter what our past looks like no matter what our yesterday was because of this we can come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need because we have been justified so we thank you Lord Jesus that you came and gave it all so that we stand in in your presence as justified and righteous because you have paid the price and that is the life we live today. So whenever a thought comes to your mind, the Bible says in Hebrews, because of this, we shouldn't even have a sin consciousness anymore. Because of this, when the enemy comes and he whispers those lies, you can turn around and smile and say, justified. Not going to take that thought. Justified. Oh, you got the sickness. No, no, no. Justified. It's not allowed to be in my body. You're not going to get paid. Justified. Provision has been made. Your future is dark. Ah, Righteous. Justified. It's been made available to me. Every lie that the enemy brings, you raise your hand and you say, I'm one of those, the righteous and the justified. We have people that would love to pray with you, people who are also righteous and justified and will speak love and light into you where you are now in your circumstance. But remember, because of this, we have the freedom to enjoy life without looking behind us and be powerful. God bless you all and we will see you next week.